welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Amy and Heidi and Marla and Chris and Craig and Dave and Dennis. Good to see everyone. Today we'll be talking about the 74th verse of the Tao Te Ching. First, let's talk some announcements. Um, if you achieve the books that we use, buddyc.org, we have those books there. We also have a sign up there for a daily Tao recovery email. I'm writing. I'll continue to distribute this for free on the through that website, but I am writing those out to publish a devotional book, a daily devotional book with Tao devotions. If you get those, they're rough. I'm, I'm just completing those and honing those. But if you have any suggestions, uh, please email those to me as well. Uh, you can get my email there at buddyc.org. Uh, you can also see copies of uh, my book, which is Interpretation of the Tao Te Ching and some samples there. And if you can't afford a copy or if you're uh, in an institution somewhere and you can't buy a copy, send me an email and I'll send you a PDF of the most recent book. I'll do that for anyone who needs that or any correctional facilities or anyone that just can't afford the book. I'm happy to send the PDF out. Uh, we have a nightly 9 p.m. Eastern open online meeting of AA. You can get there by going to zoomaameetings.com. That'll take you directly to the meeting. Be logged into your free Zoom account for authentication when you do, and it'll take you directly to the meeting. I chair Fridays. Amy that's here, she chairs uh, Sundays and also leads a beginner breakout on Fridays uh, when I chair. Good stuff. Right now, we're reading through the first 164 pages of the big book, Sunday through Thursday night. So that's been really good. So lots of good stuff, guys. Lots of good resources also at buddyc.org. There's a there's a resources tab. We've got daily emails with all the daily devotions that you can get through uh, Transitions Daily. All the links are there under resources. Lots of good stuff there. If you need any resources for recovery, check that out. Craig, who's doing something else. What are you doing, Craig? Come on. Pay attention to our meeting. Sorry. I'm in a group. You were laughing and I was saying nothing funny, so I knew you weren't listening to me. No, I'm in a group text chat with my kids. Oh. And they're um, they're getting older. So um, the texts aren't as as PG as they used to be. Um, No, we've got the the Dara on the Sandman Facebook page as well. So if you want to actually join the meeting, Join the Facebook page. We post the link into that. It's Thursday, 4 o'clock Eastern. So if you can make that. If you can't make the meeting, we'll post the video to the meeting. Um, and then so you can post your comments into the into the meeting page. Or if you've got something to contribute, something we've maybe missed, then just add a comment and then we'll um we'll discuss it next time we all meet. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. All right, the 74th verse of the Dao Day Ching. Amy, you mind reading for us, ma'am? I don't mind. All right, 74th. This is Gaifu Feng. If men are not afraid to die, it is no avail to threaten them with death. If men live in constant fear of dying, and if breaking the law means that a man will be killed, who will dare to break the law? There is always an official executioner. If you try to take his place... It is like trying to be a master carpenter and cutting wood. If you try to cut wood like a master carpenter, you only hurt your hand. Here's Stephen Mitchell's. If you realize that all things change, there is nothing you will try to hold on to. If you aren't afraid of dying, there is nothing you can't achieve. Trying to control the future is like trying to take the master carpenter's place. When you handle the master carpenter's tools, chances are that you'll cut your hand. Here's McDonald's translation. If you do not fear death, then how can it intimidate you? If you aren't afraid of dying, there is nothing you cannot do. 
those who harm others are like inexperienced boys trying to take the place of a great lumberjack, trying to fill his shoes will only get him seriously hurt. And Hogan's translation. <laughs> if people's lives suck and they look forward to death, what good does it do to threaten to kill them? <laughs> if people are afraid to die and the wicked are condemned to death, then who would dare to commit evil? But that doesn't mean you or I can just take life and death into our own hands. That'd be like walking up to an industrial buzzsaw and trying to use it without any training. We'd only end up hurting ourselves. Thank you, Amy. Any comments, guys? Let me read uh, how I interpreted this. I, I think it's pretty appropriate. It's where I'd like to go in the conversation today. The cycle of life. All beings are controlled by the cycle of life. The cycle of life and death manipulates every part of our existence, including relationships, jobs, friends, etc. If we can learn to live free of the fear of death, we can experience peace and joy regardless of the circumstances. How does our fear of death influence our choices? Do we limit our abilities by trying to control the outcome of our decisions? How do we destroy others with our actions? Do we hold on to dead relationships or jobs instead of being grateful, letting go and looking for the new birth that is coming? Our attempts to keep alive what has died are always fruitless and many times disastrous. So reading this, um, I mean, I've got to take it back to to. Um, the 12 and 12 for this, because I couldn't think of anything else with these couple of paragraphs on page 64. When men and women pour so much alcohol into themselves that they destroy their lives, they commit a most unnatural act. Defying their instinctive desire for self-preservation, they seem bent upon self-destruction. They work against their own deepest instinct. As they are humbled by the terrific beating administered by alcohol, the grace of God can enter them and expel their obsession. Here, their powerful instinct to live can cooperate fully with their creator's desire to give them new life. For nature and God alike, abhor suicide. One more little paragraph. But most of our other difficulties don't fall under such a category at all. Every normal person wants, for example, to eat, to reproduce, to be somebody in the society of his fellows. And he wishes to be reasonably safe and secure as he tries to attain these things. Indeed, God made him that way. He did not design man to destroy himself by alcohol. But he did give men instincts to help him stay alive. So, uh, Go ahead. yeah. So, taking what we read of the Tao, I didn't realize until I got sober that I was killing myself. I mean, like I knew it was bad. <laughs> I knew that my behavior was bad, and the consequences were bad, and probably eventually I was going to die. But that was the circle of life anyway. Um, I didn't know that I was like on the the um, fast track. Um, and then um, it's not like I was afraid to die. I was almost like, can I, I, I was almost welcoming death without even realizing it because then my suffering and the insanity would stop. Um, but then when I got here, when I got sober and started figuring out that 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 wasn't what was the natural course of my life? That wasn't what it was supposed to be. Um, then I realized that I was on a path of self-destruction, but that there was a solution. Um, so now I'm just in total acceptance of the circle of life as it naturally progresses, not by any chemical or any man self-made way did that make any sense i think we do that amy because we're afraid of the moment we're afraid of we have all this fear of how our life is unveiling and we have all this regret about the past and all of this worry about the future that we just want to hide from it. when i looked at this i thought hmm I like I like Stephen Mitchell's part where he says trying to control the future. That's the problem is our trying to control the future because we're afraid of losing what we have. 
reminded me of that quote back to the 12 and 12, page 76. The chief activator of our defects has been self-centered fear, primarily fear that we would lose something that we already possessed or would fail to get something we demanded, not something we needed, but something that we were demanding. You know, I don't want anything. I think this is really talking about the fear of loss. The idea that I don't want things to change and I'm afraid of things changing. I'm afraid of things dying in my life. If you look at this rather than just uh, being afraid of dying as in physical death, but being afraid of, let's say, a job. How many times have we held on to a job that we knew was not right for us because we were afraid? You know, I think most of us can say we've done that at some point. We knew it wasn't right or been in some relationship that we knew was not the right relationship for us. But we were afraid of maybe being alone. So we just kept in that relationship anyway, knowing that there was better things for us out there. I mean, I can say yes to both of those things. I'm afraid of change. I really am. That fear of loss. Craig? I don't know if you remember a few years ago, I was going through a change at work. And I was getting to the stage where we were facing redundancies because the business wasn't performing as well as it should have been. And my constant fear was I'm going to lose this job because I was, I was part of this redundancy process. So I was sat with yourself and uh, O and Sarah Kurt from the Mastermind Group, and we're all sitting discussing more options going forward as to what I was going to do. And, um, it was really eating away at me. The, the main message I got from all the guys I was talking about was that what's going to happen is going to happen. And it doesn't necessarily mean to say that what's going to happen is going to be bad. We look at these things that we think as bad, but we don't necessarily see them as, you know, as, as good, good things that are actually going to happen to us. So I eventually managed to let go of that fear of losing that job. And another job came up in the business, which I took. And it just happens to be that I'm now in a better position with the same business, earning more money because I let go of the job that they were trying to get rid of. So the fear of change is, is massive. But I'm now realizing that the fear of staying the same is even worse. And there's a there's a Dow quote, and I'm going to butcher it, but I'll say it anyway. Um, we can't grasp the new thing until we let go of what we're holding. Let's say we're the 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 stream is flowing by, and we keep holding on to this old dead thing when there's new. There's something new there for us, and we can't do both at the same time. And we can't grasp the new thing until we let go of the old. And it's being aware of that and being conscious of it, going where we're being pushed. You know, like our friend Dennis, like our friend Claire says, Heidi knows Claire too, I'm sure. Uh, Claire B, she says, go where you're being pushed. I'm like, wow, that is doubt, and she doesn't know it, you know. She just heard it in the meeting and liked it. But, uh, it's really true. If we can go where we're being pushed and stop pushing against what's happening, you know, because I don't want anything to change. And what, what I get from Mitchell's translation is that trying to control the future is compared to using the master carpenter's tools without knowing how. You're going to get hurt. You can't control the future. Heidi? This is like the most perfect meeting I could have ever gone to. Um, So, like, I'm I, I'm, I'm kind of, like, dealing, dealing with this right now, like, like with a relationship, you know. Um, I keep a – I heard the other day that, like, God's the author, but, it, you know, I, I keep taking the pen away. And – you know, I keep, uh, keep wanting to, you know, exert myself into, you know, I don't know, exert my will, whatever. And I just, um, you know, God slapping me upside the head and he's like, you gonna learn girl. And 
So, um, so yeah, I'm tapped out. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, so it's really good to hear this and, uh, you know, um, just kind of further, like, you know, just kind of letting everything kind of like settle in, like, you know, okay, this is cool. This is what it is. So, uh, you know, um, but I would appreciate it, buddy. Like after Amy read, you read something like if you have that handy, like that would be great to, to read that again or whatever. Sure. That was the 12 and 12 page 76. No, it was after, no, it was after, um, uh, Amy read the translation and then you did your own little spin or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my translation, you mean? Yeah. Is that in your book? What page is yeah, that? Yeah, it's verse 74. 74? Yeah. Cool. Thanks, verse buddy. Book. Thank you. I've got a lot of notes around this because we've talked about this a couple of times. So I pull all of my notes from when we've talked about it before. And um, I've got some really good stuff. Uh, it's part of if you're not afraid of dying, there's nothing you can achieve. How does your feelings of death influence your life? That's from Zach E. You are harmed when you control out of fear. I think that's the whole idea about this, is that we keep trying to control out of fear, fear of loss, fear of death. And as we try to control, we're harmed. Why am I afraid? What am I afraid of? is a question to ask when I get in these situations. Harm's the result of control from fear and peace is the result from letting go. I can see that. What you compromise to keep, you're going to lose. Dennis? Yes, I was kind of <clears throat> right when you were mentioning that uh, the fear of death. I've always been very interested in the topic of death, what happens and, and all that and and the fear that came along with it and and even observing older people how they're holding on to life, even that there's almost nothing uh, left physical or mentally, but you're still holding on because of the fear of, of, of death. So so I think with my alcoholism I probably more had a fear of living that, that I did of, of dying. But again, I was afraid of dying, but suicidal at the same time when, uh, <clears throat> when I, when I came to the end of it. And that was kind of frustrating. <laughs> it was, um, <clears throat> now I don't see the fear of death and correct me if you see it, buddy. You, you know me a little bit. So I don't see that, but I see, uh, insecurity, fear of some insecurity I have about myself, uh, of, of not being good enough and, and not do good enough, uh, sometimes more than that, uh, that biggest fear that, that I think is the fear of dying. Um, and I like the way that we, we actually are trying to control a lot of our fears by trying to control the future. And then we're getting hurt. And that could come out in manipulation, uh, people pleasing and, and whatever to control some outcomes. Uh, I don't like confrontations, for example. So, so sometimes I do stuff to avoid that and, 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 and that sometimes backfires, right? That's exactly what it says here. That's pretty cool. So, um. Thank you, Dennis. I, That's good. Amy? Yeah. So I don't. I don't understand, really, I don't like, <laughs> if you aren't afraid of dying, there's nothing you can't do. There's nothing you can't achieve. What, can we elaborate on that? Because I'm really having a hard time with that. Sure. Um, I like, I I'm sorry. Okay. How do I behave differently when, okay, let's say I'm in a job. Let's say I'm in a relationship. Um, let's use job. Job's a good one. How do I behave differently in my job when I'm afraid of losing it? I might not present the ideas that I have because I'm afraid that they might use those things against me. I start working out of fear instead of using what I know and what I have. And so if I'm afraid, I'm trying to control the future and I can just 
shoot myself in the foot and whatever it is that I'm doing. Does that make sense, Amy? Kind of. So, or, go ahead, I'm sorry. But I'm still like, yes, that makes sense, but I'm still stuck on there's nothing you can't do. Because as a, as a, as a human being, I know spiritually, like the, the possibilities are endless, limitless. You know, I mean, I can grow and I can learn and I can expand and all that stuff, but like physically, and I know this is not just speaking of physically dying, but you know, I guess I'm just stuck on as a little girl, you know, being told you can do anything you want as long as you set your mind to it. Right. And then all of a sudden I was dealing with all of this delusional dishonesty, the lies I was telling myself, thinking that I could freaking do anything I wanted and be anything I wanted to be. And that's just not true. Okay. Let's, let's hear from a few folks and see yeah. what they have. Uh, Chris. It seems to me that there's a, there's a real transition between the two stanzas. There's like a confusion almost. Um, um, you can, you have to take control, I think is what the first stanza is more or less saying to, you have to take control of your fear, for example, and, you know, face it or whatever. And then in the second stanza, but you got to watch out or you're going to get hurt or you could get hurt. You know, you've gotten to a middle road. You got to take a sort of a, of, um, I suppose a sensible way of approach to, to things. I'm not, um, not being real clear, but, uh, I'm, I'm trying to make out the difference between the two stanzas. There's almost a conflict, I think. So that's what I'm struggling with here is trying to figure that out. Well, for me, Chris, the first one's talking about acceptance without expectations. And the second one's warning you if you don't learn to accept without expectations. <laughs> accept I'm what is. Sure. I'm not sure fear, work, working from a motive of fear, is the same as not accepting, is it? Um, uh, when I don't accept, most of the time it's because of my fear. For me, it has a lot to do with that. I'm looking at, specifically at Stephen Mitchell's is the one I'm looking at. Where it says the first thing you realize that yeah. all things change. There's nothing, there's nothing you will try to hold on to if you realize all things change. So, but if you're afraid of dying, then you're going to try to hold on to something because the fear is that you won't let go. And if you do that, it's like trying to take the master carpenter's tools and you're going to hurt yourself. Because you don't know how to do that. You're not equipped to control the future. In the first stanza, too, I, I get the feeling that um, you're taking the safe road. Um, if you take the safe road, um, you may not achieve anything if you're working. And in that sense, if you're acting out of fear, you're taking the safe road. And if you don't do that, then you... Um, uh, then you have to take control if you want to take the dangerous road, let's say, then you have to take control. And in, the, and in trying to take control, you may get hurt. Okay. That's, I think we're saying sort of the same thing, only it's, it's a matter of degree in a way, sure. I think. It's not death, maybe we're talking about. It's, uh, well, like Amy said, she wasn't aware she was killing herself, but. Um, it, it was bad news. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Dave? I just, I took it more like what's the ultimate fear? The ultimate fear, I think, for most people would be death. So, if you can not be afraid of death, there's nothing else you need to be afraid of. So if you can master this notion of fear, you can be in a position to handle everything else. Now, but the second part, and I think Chris is right, the second part is almost like don't let that lack of fear turn into control. Because if you think you can start controlling things, which maybe, Amy, is the subtext on 
I can do anything. I can conquer anything. So if I can, if I cannot be afraid of death, well, if I'm not afraid of death, maybe I shouldn't worry about losing my job, right? Like just degrees. So that's kind of how I took it was, it was the ultimate thing to be afraid of. Good. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, man. Uh, Dennis. Oh, that was really good. I like the way that Dave explained that that was the ultimate fear. Um, here's a way that, that, that I see it, and especially in our recovery, I hear a lot of people, and it doesn't come from AA, it comes from more of uh, the, the, the cognitive uh, treatment programs, and that they, some people learn a lot about relapse uh, prevention. And I hate that. I, I sincerely hate that with a passion because for me, that there is some great fear uh, bound in relapse prevention. Uh, because if the focus will be on the, on the prevention in the future that I have to do this and this and this today. So I could build up for me not to relapse in the future. And, uh, and for me, relapsing is the same of being uh, afraid of, of death. Because uh, one way or another, it, it, it's the same as, as uh, death for me. So, so if 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 my focus is is on on that, uh, then I cannot f- live fully in this present moment. That's that, that that was kind of what I elaborated on when it comes. Thanks, Dennis. Uh, we had a couple of comments. Let's see. Uh, does it open us up to complacency? I think so, Craig. More about balance. Uh, I think it's more about acceptance, Amy. You know, if we don't accept that everything is changing um, and we try to hold on to things, which would be expectations, it goes back to what is that in four, 17, 18 about acceptance? Let's see. There are several quotes in there. I'm looking for the one about, okay, here it is, page 420. Best thing for me to remember is that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max, Max was his wife, and other and other people are, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations, which is what, I see here expectations for me is trying to control the future. Yes. Yeah. So I pulled up one of the other translations on this cool. website and um, Jim Clockfelter, I think that's how you say it. Translation for the 74 says, you truly are what isn't born. You need not be afraid to die. Just live your life and know that you will never lose the inner eye. You can't control what is to be and using tools you don't command. Unlike the master carpenter, you're bound to cut your hand. That translation made more sense. Just be the moment. It is what it is. Don't try to be something that you're not. Exactly. We always have problems when we try to control the outcome. Always. It's all about avoiding those expectations that we're taught. We're taught that in recovery. We have to just be. Yeah. So you didn't read this part of page 420, but I literally have Dow written out next to the bottom of 420 where it says acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever's in front of me to be done and I'll leave the results up to him. However, it turns out that's God's will for me. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and the great gift of this, Amy, is noticing when it's time to change. We might not enjoy that. And we have seasons when things are easy and seasons when things are difficult. And seasons of loss where we have to let, you know, things that have been go so we can make room for the change that's coming. For the new thing. And our life is full of all of those seasons of life and death. If we can't control outcomes, it's just as well we can we can't control people, places, and things. No, but I think Craig really wants to control people. 
<laughs> yeah. Good one, Craig. Yeah, we all want to, but that's that's the danger. It's saying we'll hurt ourselves when we do that, right? And it happens every time I when I try to control, I always hurt myself. That control kills. My fear kills. You're almost making it sound as if we're not qualified to control things. We're not. We're not designed to control. I know but, I'm not. But we're, I mean, I can only speak for me. I was absolutely programmed growing up to think that I was in charge of my own destiny. And if I needed help, Amy, all I had to do was ask God that was like this magical Santa Claus. and He would take care of it for me. It was me and him. It was not me and you. Well, because if that, yeah, because if that worked, then, oh, dear God, please help me stop drinking. Please help me freaking not be hungover. Please help me not feel like shit. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the way, I, I mean, that's the way I thought of it. Yeah, and here we, here we are in a program where we're all told to help each other. You know, be it's a collaborative effort, this, this, uh, Recovery, so <laughs> yeah. See, now I see that, Chris. Now I see that God is being all of us yeah. collectively. See, I, I it, it's changed. He's gone from being up there to being right here with me. We're all part yeah. of the body. We're here to help because we're all part of one big God. If we want to use the word, you know. Dennis? Both we do things. Both we do things on a rotor basis. So one person can be in control one week, and then we swap it around. Let me know when that's your week, Craig, because I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta, I gotta, I have to give Craig his uh, mantra back. Craig, stop thinking and end your problems, please. <laughs> and end our problems too. Dave's gonna turn his video off. That's hilarious. Totally fine. Um, wow, I almost lost there. First of all, I was a little bit in, in Greg's camp. I seem to want to have change. I get complacent very, very easy. After a period of time of the same, I get bored and I want change. But again, that's me trying to control what is happening right now. Uh, I really want to throw this one out here to you guys, and I want to hear your approach to it. That's why I don't like hope. Because if everything is okay in this present moment, I don't need hope, do I? Hope is always because I want to change something where I feel miserable right now. We see a lot of newcomers when they come in. You really have only have hope there in the beginning, right? Because you want it to be different. So I hope really has a lot of expectations right behind of it. So I really want to hear what you guys think about that. <laughs> That's it. I want to. I don't want to say thank you, but thank you, Dennis. Heidi. Yeah. So, like, I think hope is like the worst thing ever. <laughs> I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, please. Maybe it's just like the definition of like, I don't know, but I would love to hear somebody like on the other end of that to prove me wrong. Oh, Chris, go ahead, sir. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day, and. Uh, and convinced myself that if I'm, you know, if I'm living in the moment and accepting it in the moment, then I have no reason to worry about the next moment or the moment after that, you know, and therefore it's sort of like a faith that things will be more or less the same. I don't know if you want to call it hope. I don't expect, I don't um, necessarily rely on my expectations. Although I am expecting a delivery from UPS, but that's a little uh, somewhat different, I guess. Uh, but I think <laughs> the moment uh, will be good. The next moment will be good and the next moment. So it's sort of like a, a mind trick in a way, but it's it's true. It's really true. That's We have to stay in the moment. So anyway, I'll, thank you, Dennis. That's a great idea. <laughs> Hey, Chris, I think that where the 74th would apply to your UPS delivery would be if you were afraid it wasn't going to come and you spent all afternoon sitting at the end of the road waiting and calling UPS continually 
to see when it was going to arrive, that would be what 74 is talking about. You know, you would be harming yourself with your fear of the, the future not happening, you know, your control of the future instead of just accepting it coming or if it doesn't, okay, where is it at? We'll deal with yeah. it. So I think that would be a, a practical application of this. Thank you. Yeah, it's, re- it's really aggravating. They give you, they let you look at where it is on the map, you know, and uh, it just makes it even worse. So <laughs> good point. Thanks, sir. You're right. You're absolutely right. Dave. Okay, I'm going to say I think most, and I didn't hear what Heidi said because my video was breaking up, but I'm going to say there's way too much sobriety on this call because you take a newcomer and tell them they got to live in the moment and this moment's going to be the next moment. Hope is, is all you really have, I think, when you start this thing because none of it makes sense. Right. It's not how we've lived our lives. We haven't done this. So if, you know, if I, I think I completely get what you're saying, what everybody's saying about hope. And, yeah, if you can live in a minute you, moment, you don't need it. I just wonder if that would work real well with a lot of us who don't have a lot of sobriety. under our belt. Just a thought. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Amy. Uh, yeah, so just like my concept of God, or higher power, universe for me these days, um, changes and evolves. So does my concept of hope. Um, yeah, because in the beginning, that's all the free, like the hope that maybe I might not drink for 10 more minutes. You know, that was it. Um, then as it as, you know, and then I heard things like experience, strength and hope, like my experience and my strength will give a newcomer hope. That's my, that's, that's my wish. I don't want to say that's my hope. (laughs) That's my wish. Um, Then the acronym, oh, transitions daily, you know, those acronyms (laughs) are so cheesy, but so easy to remember. Hang on, pain ends. So from that, uh, yeah, Heidi, that got your attention, didn't it? So yeah, so hope for me today is just that acronym, hang on, pain ends. And that's it. Like, I have to keep it that simple. But then I'm going to throw a Bible thing out there because I don't ever do that. But he's going to get a kick out of this. Oh, my God. Because Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that made zero sense to me when I was growing up in church. It absolutely makes sense to me in recovery now. I think it's also kind of cool that step 11 deals with prayer meditation and getting that power back and step one, 11, one, get it. Hebrews 11, one, one is about admitting I'm powerless, but anyway, that's a whole deeper conversation on another day. Um, but yeah, I think hope just means something different to me today. And it's not, it, it doesn't have to be a desirable outcome. It doesn't have to be, have to be me trying to control or expect anything to happen. I just know that feelings aren't facts and this too shall pass. Thank you, Amy. Craig. Just two things quickly. The first one is transitions daily. Uh, Amy just mentioned transitions daily. For anybody that doesn't know, if you go to dailyaemails.com, you can get daily readings sent out to you, which are AA-based, um, and they're really good. Um, the other thing is, is is hope Dennis I had to have something when I first came in because I didn't have anything else I, I didn't have anything else when I came into to A I needed something um, that was going to even if it was false hope I had to have something that I could that I could believe in that was going to help me get better help me get to where I am and now I don't need hope as much as I need consistency I need consistency in working with program. I need consistency in the people that are around me. I need consistency in my circle of influence, the people that I'm hanging around with, the people I'm talking to on a daily basis. Um, and I mentioned complacency earlier on. Complacency is the food of our addiction. When I start to lose that consistency, then I'm going to start losing that faith that what I'm doing is actually going to start working. Thank you, sir. Uh, Dennis? 
Yes, uh, thank you so much for, for bringing a little light on it. I didn't mean to shit all over hope. That was not the idea of it. I just wanted to see if I really am able to be present in this moment. <laughs> then, uh, then, then you don't really need it that much. However, okay. could, could, it, could, could you look at it this, in this way here? For things that you cannot control, you can hope that it will turn out right. Um, you can't control the, 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 the ins and outs. Well, you can control a certain way with the war in Ukraine right now, right? We can help out sending uh, money, weapons, whatever we're doing. But otherwise, you can hope that it has the best outcome because you can't really do anything about it. And it's the same when you see newcomers come in. You hope they'll get the program and they'll, they'll stick to it. So you can use that in a positive way there instead of it wasn't meant just to, to shit all over it. It really wasn't. But, but thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, let me make a comment. Let me make a comment real quick. I was waiting. You know, there is a quote that says, hope and fear are both illusions. And the reason for that, I think that when I came into recovery, I was like the others that have mentioned our, our, our idea of hope changes with time, I think, or it should, or mine did. First, I came in and I just hoped it would work for me like I was seeing it work for others. That was good hope. Now, if today I'm hoping my life is going to be different tomorrow, that's not good hope. Mm. That's what verse 74 is talking about. It's an illusion for me to try to control the future. And if I'm hoping, I'm not accepting the moment like Chris was talking about. I love the way, Chris, I love the way that you put that is that we accept the moment as the moment is perfect in itself. Everything in my life is exactly the way it's supposed to be in this moment. And my serenity is tied to that. And when I start wanting things to be different than they are, I start losing my serenity. You know, I've, I've told y'all several times that when my son was sick and I came home and I was just, my head was, yeah, there was no peace. But when I got to a place of acceptance of things being as they are, not hoping they would be any different, there was peace. I don't understand why I got peace by accepting things as they are. I have no idea why that was. It was not about praying and believing him to get better. It was not about any of that. It was about me accepting things and being thankful that I would not change his situation even if I could change it. That sounds so, it was so hard. But as I got there, there was peace there. There was peace and acceptance. Of course, I would like for it to be different, but it wasn't. And I had to accept things the way it was. Who wouldn't want it to be different, you know? But I had to stop the, the mind chatter about it and accept it as it is. I really like how you could formulate all that without pooping on hope. That was pretty good. <laughs> oh, here it is. Thank you, Amy. Success is as dangerous as failure. Hope is as hollow as fear. What does it mean that success is as dangerous as failure? Whether you go up the ladder or down it, you posi your position is shaky. When you stand with your two feet on the ground, you will always keep your balance. Good stuff. Thank you. And the whole point is teaching us, hey, be where your feet are. Be in this moment. Uh, Byron Katie says God is reality. God is what is, is the way I define that or try to. That's As Amy said, that's, that's what I'm thinking right now, but it can change at any moment. Uh, but uh, just what is. I surrender to what is. That is acceptance. What's going on in this moment? Is it whether it's as it should be or not, it is, regardless. I can even take the should be off of it if I want to. Uh, and I do. For me, I take everything is as it should be. I don't like that because that's expectations as if I'm thinking the should just kind of clouds that a little. Everything just is. I don't have to give blame or credit to anyone for that. It just is. That helps me to accept a lot easier. I don't have to think about, you know, uh, all of that. 
I just have to accept it like it is in this moment. And then like Chris said, the next moment, the next moment, the next moment. That's where our peace is. And when we start manipulating to try to control the outcomes, we'll cut our hand, we'll get hurt, we'll harm, we'll harm the people around us, we'll harm us through our expectations of the future, that control. Amy, you got something? Yeah, and then we actually limit the possibilities. Oh, yes. Yes, we limit it. That's the whole idea of, um, of when we start keep holding on to things that are dying when we should be letting go, we limit the outcome because we're not looking for the new thing that's coming. That's how we harm ourselves. Yeah, good stuff. Lots of good comments today, guys. Thank you. Chris, you have something? Yeah, to expand on what you just said is that it, um, you miss opportunities, possibly, if you don't accept the current moment as well. So, Well, for yeah. mine's always in the future, Chris, trying to control the outcomes. Right. And we're always worried and we're doing things out of fear because that's why the only reason we would do it is because we're afraid. Right. That I can see. That's the only reason I would. I'm afraid of losing something I have or not getting something I want. So I try to control things so that I can get something or not lose something. Um, it, happens with it happens with listening, too. You can't, can't accept what somebody's saying. You might miss, might really miss something. Yeah, especially if you know you haven't figured out. Why would you listen to someone else's ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's good. And that gets to empathy, too. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, to have empathy for someone, you have to really listen to them. You can't just, you know, be talking to them. That's good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So it gets into every area of our life, this idea that we, and we hold on, you know, what if we hold on to our, Amy, what if we held on to our idea of God when we came into the program? What if we held on to that and would not let go of it? I wouldn't still be here. Yeah. The guilt and the shame and the condemnation and the hellfire and brimstone. Uh, no way. See, this applies to that. I never, I haven't seen it like that, but this applies to that kind of thing too. Any of our ideas that we hold on to. Hmm. I, I heard this in recovery a long time ago, and it kind of applies to the beginning of the first stanza that uh, change is inevitable, but growth is essential, right? So if I want to grow, I have to do different things. I have to do different actions if I want to get out of my, my old thought patterns. But change will happen with or without my health. It's the only constant. Yeah. It's change. Yes. Thank you. Gosh, it's been a good, great conversation. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I needed that. I'm right now. I'm going through the uh, grief recovery handbook. I'm working with a, a counselor on just surrendering all these losses I've held on to all the years. It's really, really, really good. Uh, I'll tell y'all more about it later on. But it's exactly this. I've held on to all kinds of things. I really wasn't aware that I had held on to. So. All this loss is accumulative. So I've held on to old ideas and uh, old emotions and things I should have surrendered that I hadn't. So that's another phase of what this is talking about. We hold on to this stuff and it hurts us. Whatever we're holding on to will hurt us. Amy? More of clearing away the wreckage of your past. Yes. Wow. We hold on to all these things, all these losses, and we don't know how to let that stuff go. And it's, it's challenging. It's it's diff- more difficult than any fourth step I've ever done. And the guy that wrote the book had 40 years in AA when he died. Uh, but I'm working it with someone trained with this counseling. But I'll, I'll tell you all more about it as time goes on. But I'm about halfway through and I'm, I'm seeing some progress. It's, re- it's real good. Anything else before we close? Is that a new thing for you, Betty, the uh, working on that book? Is that, have you yes. been doing that? 
Yeah. About three weeks, Chris, it's new. Um, I met a guy that did well. I had a weekend of working actually up at the uh, in March uh, up at the retreat center. And one of the guys that was there that I knew was trained in this. And there was something that came up that weekend. I got upset about my son and uh, he volunteered to take me through the grief counseling. So um, that's, that's what I'm doing. And it's, um, it's a very intensive process. And it's not something you'd want to just go buy the book and try to do. It, it's very, it, it's, it's going to be very good for me. I already know it. And I'm already learning some things I didn't know. So I haven't ever cried this much, ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is just, uh, it's a lot of, what, what is it, Amy? Uncover, discover. Discard. Uncover, discover, discard. Uncover, discover, discard. Yeah, it's that's all it is. Some of these things I've held forever. I didn't know how to really grieve. You know, the ways we're taught don't really work. Time doesn't help with that. You know, um, you've got to let that stuff go. And they use some of the to- some of our recovery tools for this too. So uh, it's really good, really good. I'm going to start actually after I learn this. I'm going to work some of this with sponsees as we do the fourth step. I'm going to work through this the very same way. So I'm going to put some links to where people can get in contact with counselors that actually do this work uh, once I'm through it and I know it. And I'm sure that it works the way that it's beginning to work for me. There'll be more information about that in the near future. But this was perfect because I'm right in the middle of that holding on to these things that I have to let go of. Okay, guys. Well, if there's nothing else, thank you for the conversation today, and we will see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.